God just impressed upon me some other things that uh, when we talk about filling in the blanks. And if you weren't here last week, I'll just give you a brief, brief synopsis. You know, when you go and, and apply for a job and they, or they ask for a resume, we usually take a sheet of paper and we write down all of our great qualities. <laughs> and we tell them, this is why you need to hire me. And, you know, God's not so, he's not so impressed with our great qualities and our great abilities. He is impressed when we yield to him and say, fill in the blanks. When you just give a sheet of paper to God and say, here, God, here's my name. I want to sign at the bottom. You fill it in. What you want my life to look like, where you want me to go, what you want me to do. Because, see, we all have a mission in life. If you didn't, before Christ, you had a mission. And it was really about all about you, right? It's about what you wanted, what your desires were, your plans, all that stuff, your, your destiny, your, where you were going to go to college, what job you took, all of it was about you. And, but when Christ intervenes, when you have an encounter with a living God, he, he kind of messes all that up. I like how Brother Pastor Richard said, he, we, we just got messed up when we are here. God messes up your plans, doesn't he? Man, I'm a testimony that God just messes up my plans. Because they're my plans. And he says, my, he said, when we say that, we take ownership of our plans instead of saying, God, it's your plans, then we're missing it. Okay? We've missed it if we're, if we're trying to do things our way. So Paul, the, uh, Paul was on his way to uh, Damascus. Now, he was a hater of Christians. He, he just dis- detested Christians. He detested Jesus. He did, as a matter of fact, he hated them so much. He hated Jesus so much, he was going to do everything he could to stop that flow and that growth of this infant church called the way. And on the way to Damascus, on his way, he met God, and God said, I've got another way for you to travel. I've got another way for you to go about the rest of your life. And I'm telling you, he messed up Saul big time. He messed him up. Matter of fact, he messed him up so bad that he, he became blind. He, blind. he was blinded on this road as he was going to arrest Christians, have them thrown into jail and eventually killed or fed to the lions or something. That was his mission. But when he encountered the living God, when Jesus Christ spoke to him, everything changed in his life. Everything. So we're going to pick it up. And I want you to stand, and we're going we're gonna to read this verse together. Because this, I just want you to read this portion of this verse out loud with me today. I want this to be your fill-in-the-blank verse for this coming week. And it's from Acts chapter 9. And we're just going to do that part of verse 6. You got it up there yet? Acts chapter 9, verse 6. Is it here? Okay, this is it. This is just, just part of a verse here. Would y'all read this with me? Lord, what do you want me to do? Do it again. Lord, what do you want me to do? I want you to really say it out with fervor this time. Lord, what do you want me to do? Would you consecrate in your heart right now before you sit down? Let's just pray. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, May we be receivers of what you want us to do. May we, may we be willing to submit to you today, come under your authority today in the days to come. Father, that we would be more led by your spirit than ever before. I don't care. It's the, the deepest Christian, the most mature believer in here, Father, that you would radically say, listen, if we're not going the right direction, you would, would shake us to the place we would know, we would hear, and we would be willing to say, Lord, what do you want me to do? Because I am willing. I am willing. Would you say, I am willing? 
I am willing. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Man, if, if, if guys could just say that to their wives, we'd have a breakthrough. <laughs> Honey, what do you want me to do? If children just had that revelation to their parents, Mom, Dad, what do you want me to do? We'd be, well, we would already be making some headway, wouldn't we? Because we're submitting to authority. So when you submit to God, when you submit to his authority, you just say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And listen, for some of you, when you leave this place, if you truly mean that, because you can say it, and you can even say it with fervor now, with real being really vocal, but if you don't really mean that, nothing will change. But if in your heart of hearts you say, Lord, what do you mean to do? Hey, I think that pastor is on to something here. You might have something for me to do that I've been missing. See, the first thing, a lot of the times, the first thing the enemy does is, oh, he might want you to go to Brazil. I was waiting for that. It was a little slow. You see, we always, the enemy will try to put anything on you that, that will try to immediately snatch the seed of the word. But listen, if you walk out of here and you say, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he says very clearly, I want you to go to Brazil. Man, jump up for joy. Just say, yeah, because listen, if you're in his will, man, it's going to be wonderful. If you're following his plan for your life, listen, he's not going to lead you down a dead-end road. I promise you that. Because sometimes, some of you are on a dead-end journey right now. There's nothing new in your life. There's nothing fresh in your life. And God says, listen, if you'll just say, what do you want me to do? And God, if you'll just speak that to the Lord, and he'll say, I want you to do, fill in the blank. I am not of the opinion that if God called you somewhere that you'll hate going there. I just don't. I know some people say, well, you know, he wants you to go where you... I believe if God's calling you and you're, if you're in line with him, you're submitted to him, you're going to love wherever he's calling you to. You, you won't have to go kicking and screaming. Really, you won't be much use in the kingdom if you're kicking and screaming. I don't want to go to Africa. I don't want to go to Africa. Get to Africa. I don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Put them on a boat and get them back, you know? Okay, you're awake. We got a lot of, I don't know, a spit zone. Got a lot of empty seats right there in the middle. What's up with that? You think there's, they're just going, oh, I think we missed church, honey. <laughs> Anybody ever messed up, messed up on the time change? Yeah, okay. We'll just give them some grace this morning. So we're talking about God. For us, allowing God to fill in the blanks of our life. All of us at one time were headed to hell. You know, we don't say that word much in church anymore. It's not politically correct. But listen, if, if you don't know Jesus Christ, this morning you're headed to hell. Bottom line. And if it's outer darkness, if it's gnashing of teeth, or it's just constant fire, listen, I'm telling you, it ain't going to be good. It is not a Budweiser party. It's not a bunch of kegs of beer and everybody just having a great time. It's not hell, okay? Hell is eternal torment. It's darkness. It's, it's, it's horrible. And I believe we'll all be, I will, I'm not going to include myself in that. <laughs> Woo! I believe if, if you are in hell that you'll be by yourself. I don't believe you're going to be enjoying, hey, they're burning more than me. I think it's going to be, it's going to be you. 
and, and listen, I just want to throw that out there because some people don't realize there's a hell. There's a hell. I choose heaven because I choose Jesus Christ. Man, isn't that just enough? Couldn't we just stop there? Heaven, eternal banquet, beautiful angels, God, Jesus, joy, love, peace, no devil, no sin, no temptation, or hell. Wouldn't that, shouldn't that just be enough, Blinda? I think it is. Maybe that's why we're not seeing many people get saved anymore. They quit preaching hellfire and damnation. Gee, it's just a revelation to me, Pastor Richard. Column A, column B. Here's a menu. Here's heaven, and here's it. Oh, I think I'll take heaven. Okay. It's just a side note. It's not even in my notes anywhere. So look at uh, the rest of this passage. This is how we allow God to fill in the blanks of our life. Then the Lord said to him, this is Saul, and if I mess up and say Saul or Paul, they're the same, okay? Saul is the Hebrew name. Paul is the, the Greek name. So just bear with me. I like to say Paul more than I do Saul. I equate Saul to the old King Saul. And uh, so. so the Lord said to him, Paul, arise and go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. Now, he was blind, okay? He was, uh, we'll look at the next verse, verse 7. This is where we'll kind of catch up. And then, and then the men who journeyed with him stood speechless. He had his posse with him, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. Now, last week they said I misstated that, so I just want to correct that. They did not see, but they did hear, okay, the men with him. They heard a voice. It didn't say they heard distinctly what he was saying. They said they heard a voice, but they didn't see anything. Only Saul was really uh, engaged. They heard a voice, but they saw no one. Then Saul, which... I'm sure they thought Saul had just wigged out right then. He lost his mind. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and he was three days without sight, and he neither ate nor drank. Now, I want you to see the very simple, the simplicity of this gospel is this. When Saul was called from darkness to light, God didn't say, I've got all this stuff for you to do. He said, I want you to do these basic things. See, some of us are, oh, well, God's going to do this, this, this. He's going to give me more than I can handle. God didn't work that way, okay? He makes sure that you're mature enough to go to the next step. And, and then what, what God wants you to do is be faithful in the little things. Now, I want you to understand, we, when you talk about destiny, when you talk about fate, how many of you like to dabble in the thought of, if I hadn't been there on that certain day, I might not have met her. I might not be married today. We might not have these kids. We might, how many of you ever thought about that? It's kind of cool just to go there with your mind. You go, well, what if, that, what if my friend didn't bring Mary Lou to the church of God that day? What if Francine and Mary Lou weren't friends and she wouldn't have come to that church today and I would have met that little cute blonde? And it just went, you know, just been, whoo, you know, like that. She is cute and she is good looking. Now, think about that. Or... At the age of 30, when the enemy came, tried to divide my wife and I and cause a divorce, when we were separated, if, we, if people had not been praying and we had not been restored, I wouldn't be here today. I don't know where I would be. I might be preaching. I, I don't know what I'd be doing. 
You know, we just don't know. But listen, God has his plan, and he's working these things out. And I want you to see in the story what is so neat. He's, he works from both sides. We don't see the other side of how he's working in somebody else's life, but he's orchestrating things. He's, he's, trying to, he's lining some things up. But listen, that does not take out the fact that we have our own will and our own choices in the matter. Now, look at Paul. Uh, G, Jesus told him to do this. He said, get up. He said, get up first. He said, just get up. Okay, some of you just need to get up this morning. You're down. You're not walking with the Lord. You just need to get up. You need to arise. He says, he tells Saul to arise from the ground. Then he tells him to go to Damascus. All right, that was the second thing. He said, now just go to Damascus. Well, that wasn't no big deal because that's where he was going anyway. He said, okay, just go to Damascus. Now, he's having to be led. He's blind, and these guys are really tripping out that are leading him, I'm sure. Man, I don't know what happened to this guy, but we need to get him to Damascus. We need to find a doctor. That's what we would do, isn't it? Let's go see Dr. Laura. <laughs> we, need some, we need some new glasses or something. So they were just doing what Saul told them to do because he was a powerful dude. And so they take him into Damascus. Now, here's the next third. The third thing that Jesus says for him to do is this, and this is the toughest one. He says, wait. You go to Damascus and wait. Now, how many of you have ever outrun God before? You know what I'm talking about? He says, okay, this, I've got this for you to do, Harold, and this, and then this. Okay, you've done those, 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 but you don't hear God on the next month. You just take off and go ahead and do what you're going to do anyway. Now, Saul, he had to go, and he had to obey God in these little things. Listen, he could have said, he could have gotten to Damascus and thought, man, this is nuts. I, I didn't hear Jesus. Man, what, what am I thinking? I fell, and I hit my head, and I'm blind. I, I didn't hear Jesus. I think I'll just go and arrest those Christians because they're up to something. See, he had a choice in this. Y'all believe that? He didn't have to go. He didn't have to do what God told him to do. Guess what? You know what I'm about to say? You have a choice. You have a choice in what God's calling you to do. Some of you are here this morning. You're not doing what God's called you to do. You know what we call that? Disobedience, rebellion. Just flat-out disobedience, flat-out rebellion. Did you know delayed obedience is disobedience? I'm thankful for God's grace, aren't y'all? I'm thankful that his, his grace covers that. When we don't obey and we are slackers and we're not following through, that God's grace is sufficient. But listen, he, he'll, he wants you, he'll nudge you. Remember what Paul was doing? He was kicking against the what? Those, those sharp sticks. It was like an ox when they were going, they were trying to farm, and they would tap them on the heel to get them back in line. Well, God's tapping some of you today. He's been tapping some of you for weeks. He's been tapping some of you for months to get back in the alignment where he wants you to go. But here's the good news. It's not too late. It's not too late. God called me at the age of 30. It wasn't too late at the age of 47 for me to, to go do what he called me to do. I'm thankful that God's grace just just waited. I mean, he was, he was allowing me to mature and some other things that we'll talk about in a minute. Verse 10. Now there was a certain, bless you, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Say Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, 
Here I am, Lord. I love that. Don't you love that? Here I am. Fill in the blanks, Lord. Here I am. What, what did you got for me? How many of you know how often had Ananias been mentioned in the Scripture up until this time? Zero. There's a different Ananias you're thinking of. That guy died. <laughs> he lied. He lied and died. This, this is so cool. This is the only time you'll ever see him mentioned in Scripture is this time in Paul's life. Destiny. God had things lined up to take place. And Ananias had a choice whether he would say yes or no. Okay, let's read on. There was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and to him the Lord said in a vision. How many of you ever had a vision? Come on, raise your hands if you've had a vision. A vision is something you see in the daytime. With, you're not asleep, okay? It's not daydreaming. <laughs> Some of you day. Okay, it's really, it's from God. How many of you know when, when you've had a vision? It's very clear, isn't it? You might not hear an audible voice, but you think it's audible. Be kind of like Saul on the road. You know, he experienced some things the rest of them didn't experience. And I've had a vision. I've, I've had one in my lifetime, but it was incredible. Okay? So they're real. The Bible says they're real. They're real, whether I've had one or not. Okay? So Ananias says, here I am, Lord. Fill in the blanks, Lord. Here's my resume. It's blank. What do you need me to do? God works in a double vision here. It's a double vision. Let's look at verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. Straight Street. And inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. I think Paul's prayer life had a dramatic change after he met Jesus. Amen? And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Wow. Vision and a vision and a vision and a vision. God's laying some things out because this is a landmark time in Christianity. This is a dynamic point in Christianity in the early church. God has orchestrated this. Listen, I'm not saying that it happens to you or it happens to me. It happens this way. God did different things throughout the Word of God all the time. He was doing it in a different way. He was showing people dreams and visions. He was impacting their life through speaking through animals sometimes and through parting water. I mean, He did miracles. He can do anything, guys. He can do anything He wants to to get your attention to lead you and direct your paths where they line up with his right so he said go to the street call straight and ask for this house of judas now let me ask you this did ananias have a choice in what he would do here yes he did okay i just want to make you sure y'all understand you have a choice in listening and obeying god because this is about destiny and how god lines people up and how he lines things up uh, to benefit him to glorify him I wrote this down. I need to ask this question. We think about it. Has, has God ever talked to you in a weird way? Shown you something very weird in a weird way? Because this is pretty weird when you say, Sarah, it's kind of weird. This guy's praying. He sees a vision. You go to this place. He's the other guy's praying. He sees a vision. You go to this place. There's this guy coming. He's going to lay hands on you. Listen, don't dismiss something because you, don't figure, you can't figure it out. That's what I'm trying to say. Don't dismiss God if, if it's something that's out of the norm. Matter of fact, you might really want to pay attention if it's out of the norm. 
Okay. Then Ananias, uh, verse 13, then Ananias answered. Now, here's the flesh. Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. See, that's how the enemy operates. He wants to remind you of your weaknesses. He wants, you to, he wants to remind you of what you might be afraid of. He, might, he knows what your fears are because he's watched your life. So he's going to try to trick you or to trap you or to get you to delay whatever God's calling you to do because of, he knows what the patterns are in your life. You see, Satan can't see the future. The enemy cannot see your future. You know how he determines your life and how he can, uh, how he can manipulate you? It's by the way he's watched you live. And he's, wa- he's watched you react to things. That's how the enemy works. Listen, he doesn't have all the power. He, he doesn't. He's, subje- he's, su- he's subject to God. God has him on a short leash. He just uses him. So the enemy knows these things. And I'm sure it's, it's almost like the, the devil himself because he knows this is a, a huge time in the history of the church. It's like he just taps him on the shoulders. Hey, hey Ananias, that is a mean dude. You sure you want to do this? You sure you want to be obedient in this? So he starts, he talks to the Lord. He says, hey, listen, it's okay to ask God questions. Some people, well, you just can't question God. Well, I'm sorry, but all throughout the word, uh, people question God all the time. Matter of fact, they argued with him. Abraham bargained with him, you know? So Ananias is just being honest. Listen, guys, be honest with God. If you've got a fear, you've got a problem, just share it with him. He said, Lord, I've heard about this man, how much he's, harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he has this great authority from the chief. Listen, he's, he's a pretty famous guy, wasn't he? I mean, his, his name has already gone out. He was like uh, the bad dude. He was like Clint Eastwood, you know? Come to town to clean it up, clean up all the Christians. So the Lord hears Ananias, and this is his reply. The Lord said to him, Go, Ananias, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. You think Ananias kind of got that message pretty clearly? Kings the Gentiles, the children of Israel. That kind of covers it all, doesn't it? Gentiles were everybody that that was not a Jew. And kings. So Ananias is thinking, hey, this is pretty important, what I'm about to do. It's pretty, listen, when God gives you a directive, it's not because, when God gives you something to do, it must be very important or he wouldn't call you to do it. Some of you, maybe God's shown you something. He's, he's, he's nudged you. He's kind of to go in a certain direction to talk to a certain person, and you were not willing to do it. You weren't obedient to do it. Do you understand destiny, what we're talking about this morning, how that changes things? I'm just suggesting, just a suggestion, that when God says to do something, it's really the best thing to do it. Verse 17. And Ananias went his way, and he entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, 
has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a wow. Paul is now realizing that vision is coming true. Ananias, when he walks in and sees him, that vision is true. Paul's thinking, he even knows that I was on, this, on the way here. He knows exactly where I'm standing. Listen, that's called confirmation. I'm telling you, when it's really what's cool is when you hear a word and another brother confirms it. It would just blow you away. You know what I'm talking about, anybody? Somebody, like maybe Ron Campbell spoke into your life and, somebody, and something that's already been spoken to you, even maybe in your inner man, that maybe nobody else knows. Was, well, God spoke to you, and then Ron Campbell would come and call you out and speak some things, and you go, boo, there it was. Confirmation. It's, it'll blow you away. But listen, we still have a choice even in that, how we're going to use that, how we're going to flesh that out, how we're going to be walking that thing. You can have a prophetic word spoken over you till the cows come home, but you've got to partner with a prophetic word. You've got to partner with what God's put in your spirit. You've got to step out in faith. You've got to take a leap of faith. It's cool to hear it. It's cool to see it, but it's even cooler to do it. Remember what I said? When we take a leap of faith, where are we at? We're in God's hand, right? We're in the palm of his hand. So all you're doing is jumping from one part of his hand to another. See, you got a little mental picture of a big hand in your Right? I mean, that's got to be fun. Some of you look at me, ah, that's not fun. No, no, no. So here's Ananias. He's walking into a, the house of a murderer. Think about this. We just think, oh, that's cool. He's, he, man, he's, that's so awesome that he would do that. Man, this guy is murdered Christians. He's walking into his house. And not just walking into his house. He's going to go lay his hands on him. Now, he might have wanted to lay his hands on him like that. His flesh might have gotten in the way. Your flesh ever get in the way? Yeah, sometimes we want to. Instead of lay hands on, we want to lay hands on. I got a word for you, son. I just, I just, man, I've just pictured those things. I have, you know, I've told you before, I have a little video going on in my head, and I can just see the situation. And it's not like Hollywood. You know, it was, there's a lot of fear, maybe. There was a lot of anxiousness. I don't know what was taking place. They're, they're, I've, he, I've had a vision. He's had a vision. What's going to happen here? And he walks in. And he says, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you, he sent me. And see, guys, God wants to send you to someone. He doesn't, he doesn't just call pastors to go and pray for people. He calls everybody. Ananias, you'd never heard about him before, and you will never hear about him again. But I kind of like to meet him when I get to heaven. What, were you, what was really going on there, Ananias? How, how did that? Oh, man. I was kind of excited and afraid at the same time. That's kind of how it is when you're called of God. You, there's a little fear, but there's also this excitement. You know what I'm talking about? 
We know a lot of people, you know a lot of people that are blind, spiritually blind, that God said, you need to go lay your hands on them and pray for them. Now, I'm saying this. If he hasn't told you to do it, you might want to check on that. But when he tells you to do it, you need to do it because he'll bless you for that. Immediately, verse 18, immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. And he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. And then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Now, this to me is the most important part of the sermon. This is what I'm talking about when we're talking about filling in the blanks. So I want you to listen very carefully what I'm about to say. We know this. Paul had his own agenda. God messed that up. Jesus, he had an encounter with Christ. He was converted on the road to Damascus. He said, yes, what do you want me to do? He calls him Lord on the road to Damascus. Then he goes, he's obedient in the very first things that that Jesus commanded him to do. He got up, he walked to Damascus, or he rode to Damascus, and he waited on the Lord. A man came and he laid hands on him that he would receive his sight, but he also was filled with the Spirit. Up until that point, during this time, these three days, it's kind of like Jonah. I I think of Jonah when I think of him waiting three days blind, waiting for what God had next for him. You know, Jonah was in in the middle of this big fish, and he was in there three days, and he got burped up on on the land. But while he was there, he was like, man, there was some great contemplation going on in his life. And I believe these three days for Saul were great contemplation, great meditation, great prayer as he was pressing in to see what God had for his life. And the very first thing that Ananias does is put his hands on him and he's filled with the Spirit. Listen, if you are a believer but you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're not walking in the power or the freedom that God has for you to walk in. That's the blank I think many of our believers are missing. Well, I'm saved. I've I've had the deposit of the Spirit. You know, I've got my ticket punched to heaven, but you've never been baptized. And I'm talking about immersed in the Spirit of God. I'm talking about saying, God, whatever you have for me, I want it. Wash me clean. Fill me with what... Fill me with your spirit that I might be effective and that I might have a boldness to go and do and be what you've called me to be. That's what's missing in the church today. And I'm talking about all the church, not just the, the Baptist or the Methodist. I'm talking about in the Pentecostal churches. Many of them think, well, I speak in tongues. So I must be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I've met some of those people. They speak in tongues, but there's no power in their life. In matter of fact, it doesn't even mention that Paul began speaking in tongues. But I'll tell you what he did do. He went out and preached the gospel. He was a different man. Now, I know he spoke in tongues because he talks a lot about it in Corinthians. But at this point in time, it doesn't, it doesn't mention it. It just says he was filled with the Spirit of God. And then he immediately was healed. He received his sight, and he got up, and then he was water baptized. Listen, John's going to be baptized this morning. John Harper. And I know there's some fear there. But listen, I want to tell you something. If you've been saved, but you've never been water baptized, you've been in disobedience to God. My Bible says, and I think yours will bear witness to this. He says, repent and be baptized. 
It's, a, it's, a, it's an obedience thing more than anything to me. It's about obedience saying, God, okay, this doesn't, this is weird. I'm going to get in some water and some guy's going to dump me down. It's weird, I will admit. But that's what God said to do. And he blesses us for doing those things and being obedient in those things. I've talked to guys that they got saved and they never got baptized for years later, but their life was a mess. So you know why? Maybe because you didn't obey God in the very simplicity of getting up and going in and getting baptized. And then being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Listen, I will tell you this. I didn't used to know what that even meant. I was brought up in a different denomination. They didn't teach the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I don't want to offend anybody, but listen, the Bible is very clear that there's more than that one initial deposit of the Spirit of God. And my life is a testimony to that. I was a Christian. I was a good Christian. I was a servant in the church. And I knew how to do the deal for, for many, for 30 years I did that. But then the day that came that I, was, I began to worship God, I began to praise him, I began to just not be intimidated by other people, and I entered into this thing called worship, real worship, and I've just experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Nobody prayed for me, nobody laid hands on me, and I just experienced it. I had this awesome vision. And listen, from that day forward, my wife can attest to that, that I had a boldness I'd never had before. Never had before. And when I look at what Jesus said he's, in, in Acts 1, he talked about us being baptized, that we might be witnesses. He said, you go wait for the power. That's what he told Paul to do. He said, you go wait, and this guy's going to come. Listen, all Saul knew was ki- kill Christians. That's all he knew. Kill Christians, arrest Christians. A radical change when Jesus Christ met him on the road, and he began, and he he fell on his face before the Lord. Listen, that blind thing, I believe that we, sometimes we go, I don't understand. Why did God cause him to be blind? But listen, that teaching we heard not too long ago, he was just setting him up for something big. He was just setting him up for something great. We call it a setback. God says it's a setup. Something better is coming. I think Saul needed to know. I think God, maybe one of the reasons he, he caused Saul to be blind because Saul maybe took for granted some things in his life that he should never have taken granted for granted. I think maybe Saul was pretty puffed up. He was pretty proud of himself, and he didn't have to depend on people. And then he had to get up and have guys lead him to a town. You see, God, will, he will bring you to a place where you need, you have to look to him. He will bring you to a place where you can't do it on your own. We've got churches all across our, our, our world that are doing it on their own. And they're not being baptized. They're not being filled. They're not being led by the Spirit of God. It's not that complicated. Is it? Give your life to Christ. Surrender to Him. Allow Him to come and touch you. Allow him to fill you with his spirit. Be baptized for the, for, for the, the, the obedience of following Christ, that I am now a follower of Christ. But the greatest thing after all of that is if you don't follow and say, I want you to fill in this other blank, Lord, because I don't feel like I've, I, I'm not, I don't have that power. I'm not endued with that power, is ask for it. Just ask for it. How many of you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Just raise your hands. Okay? A lot of you. What was the evidence of that? Boldness? Changed life? 
just a, a passionate love? I'm telling you, it's real. I'm telling you, it's real. Here's the problem with the people that have been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So like Bill Johnson says, we leak. I prefer to say we, sometimes we just give and give and give and we don't get refilled. The overflow and all of a sudden we just, we just don't. That, that could be a simplicity uh, or the sim, being simply uh, waiting on the Lord and, and resting in him, being rejuvenated in him. So that's, that's, that's the fill-in-the-blank part that I felt like today we needed to press into, and that's what we're going to do at the end of the service. And look at the results of, of him being obedient to Christ. It said in verse 20, Now I know he went away and, and got he matured in his faith for several years, but... I like this. It said immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, is this not he who destroyed those who called on this name in, in Jerusalem has come here for that purpose so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that Jesus is the Christ. Here's the deal. God sees the bigger picture. He was way ahead of old brother Saul. He's way ahead of you and me. He sees the bigger picture. He sees the people that your life is going to impact. But listen, you can't do it by yourself. You will never see results. You'll never see godly success. You might see man's success, but you'll never see God's success unless you're willing to surrender to him and say, I want it all. That's the best way I can tell you to receive the Holy Spirit, say, I want everything you got for me, Lord. That was, my, that was what I said. I don't know, maybe for you it's something else. Maybe you're not ready to receive the Holy Spirit. Don't know. Maybe God's going to have to do some more things in your life before you get to that place. I would suggest you get to that place real quick. Just hunger for it. I'd like to, man, I can pray right now that you'll have a hunger for it. It's got to come from you, though. It's got to come from you. You got to come to the place, into yourself, even the end of your whatever you've, you thought was your Christianity because you keep hitting this wall. You ever done that as a Christian, just keep hitting a wall? That's what I did. That's what you'll do without the power of the Holy Spirit. Listen, I want I want to make... I want you to understand this very clearly, too. If you accept Christ, if you make him Lord of your life, you're saved. You're going to heaven. He'll let you live a uh, just a normal walk. I guess you could call it that. Maybe that's not even normal, though, for Christians. Mediocre walk. That's a good word. He'll let you live a mediocre Christian life. But, man, if, if that's what you want, go for it. It's just not my passion, not my desire. I hope it's not yours either.